you have a recurring temptation. And that covers every one of us. And this recurring temptation will not go away. Now, here's the question for you. How are you supposed to think about it, that recurring temptation? And what does it mean? Someone came to us and they they asked that question. In fact, I want to share with you right now the exact three questions that this individual asked me. They said, what if I keep getting tempted by the same sin over and over again, and I worry it will eventually win its war over me? Question number two, does this sin mean I haven't gained victory over it? Question number three, if someone has changed, will they no longer experience temptation in the same way? I'm going to answer all three of these questions in this podcast, and if you want to read it, I would love for you to read every word that I'm going to share with you. You can do that by going onto our website, rickthomas.net. I am Rick Thomas, and you're listening to Your Daily Drive. This is the podcast where I put my article content into audio format so you can listen on the go, but I also want you to stop. And I want you to not just listen, but I want you to read, I want you to ponder, to reflect, to pray, and I want you to share with a friend so that you can engage. Now, maybe you don't have a friend. We get that a lot on our forums where people will say, I've talked to this person or or that person or this person in my church, and, you know, they treated me a little bit differently after I shared my junk with them, and that has happened, uh, no question. That's not... That's, that's not an anomaly, unfortunately, and if you have no one to talk to, you're welcome to jump on our forums, and we would be more than happy to engage with you and be kind of a cyber come-along side friend. We can't be all that we should be, but, but we can keep some connectivity with you, and so if you need somebody to talk to, please reach out because this thing about temptation is a real thing because every one of us struggles. All of us have at least one, if not multiple temptations that they do make a a recurring appearance in our lives every so often. And for some people, uh, depending on the nature of the habituation, depending on how long they have been struggling with it, depending on their former manner of life, what kind of life they had, before God regenerated them, and then they they brought their former manner of life into their salvation experience, and now they're working it out, which is what we call progressive sanctification. Well, part of progressive sanctification is this problem with temptation. And so the title of the podcast, Will I Ever Be Free from My recurring temptation, I do want to work through the questions that have have been asked here, and so let's just jump right into it. Now, there are several things to consider regarding this subject, as you might imagine. Perhaps it would be a good start to consider the strategies of Satan. I, I think we have to give more than a courtesy nod, because this is a real thing. Peter said in 1 Peter 5, 8, that the devil is our adversary. You know the text of Scripture. This is one of those that virtually every Christian memorizes. Peter said in 5, 8, be sober-minded, be watchful, 
Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. This word adversary literally means a legal enemy. And so you can think about it in a court of law where one person is making a case against another person. And, of course, Satan doesn't play fair. He slanders. He'll do whatever he has to do to bring a case against you or against me. But the adversary, what he's trying to do, the legal enemy He's trying to create tension between two people. He wants to drive a wedge. And the two people in this scenario is is you and the Lord. He wants to drive a wedge between you and the Lord because he wants to separate you. Because once he can separate you, he will immobilize you, and and he'll have a partial victory, at least an immobilization is a partial victory. And so the devil is always prowling looking for folks to bring his false arguments, this legal enemy, this adversary. And so you must realize that Satan has diabolical plans for you. He is anti-God in every possible way imaginable. He is opposed to anything God desires to promote or raise up, including you. Jesus talked about the devil and his minions as as thieves and murderers. Jesus said that they have, this is John 10, 10, that they have come to earth to kill, to steal, to destroy. Their job is simple. Destroy God and his children. Uh, part of the accusation that you feel is from the spiritual realm. And that's why I said that you want to start this process of thinking about ongoing temptation by considering the strategies of Satan. And again, I am not talking about a courtesy nod. You really have to give this serious thought because one of the words that Peter put in 5.8, he says, be sober-minded. And so you need to be sober-minded about this issue. The devil cannot get your soul, though he can immobilize you. That's plan B. If he can't capture you in a salvific way, because let's say that God has regenerated you and you are a Christian, well, he can never take that, but he can immobilize you, which is why he's going to hit you with his best shot. Discouraging you is the next best thing to rendering you useless. You'll see this strategy with the temptations that he put forth before Jesus in Matthew 4. In fact, you can read Matthew 4, 1, 2, and 3, and you you read the temptations of Christ, and, and you'll see what he was trying to do because he could no more stop Jesus from being God in the flesh than he can stop you from being a Christian. Though that won't stop him from taking his shots. He can't revoke your salvation but he hopes to paralyze you from actively following Christ. And so do you understand that the nature of the battle consists of, one, Christ's victory and your active engagement? Temptations are real, though they can be mysterious to understand. The Bible does not reveal all the aspects of the enticements that lure us, but there are a few things you can learn. And so with the strategies of Satan now fixed in your mind, 
Let's move forward. And I want to share three truths that you really do need to, to nail down. Truth number one, God will not tempt you, but he will permit temptation. Number two, the evil spirit world will seek to lure you into temptation. That's Satan's strategy. So God will not tempt you, but he will permit temptation. I'm going to talk about that quite a bit here in just a moment. And then, as I have said, the evil world will seek to lure you in temptation because he wants to immobilize you. And then number three, and this will be tough for all of us, your heart will always desire sinful things. You have to deal with, deal with this idea of imperfection. You're just not going to be perfect in this life. Now, in order to think about this and this idea of temptations and, and our problem with it, one of the first things that you want to think about is the kind of people that we are. Our desire, ever since Adam did his deal in the garden, humanity has had a desire to overthrow God. We want to be God. The essence of Adam's sin was unbelief, which is it's a way of saying, I don't need God, I know better. And this craving of our hearts is, is who we are at the core of our beings. And even as regenerated people, we are not sinlessly perfect. Now, you, you know that this. And so there continues to be a desire to live out unbelief against God. And so on one side, we have God working in our lives. On another side, we have, we have Satan and his strategies trying to tempt us. And then we are, are stuck in the middle with our complexity where we want to trust God, but yet we want to overthrow God as well. Here's an illustration of the last time that you tried to, to overthrow God and be God yourself. Think about the last time you were frustrated, irritated, angry, ticked off. Whatever word you want to substitute for sinful anger, at that moment, you are acting out your unbelief. I don't need God. I know better. I'm going to do it my way. I'm not going to do it God's way. I'm going to go off on that person. I'm going to express my annoyance to that person because, because at the core of my being, that is who I am. The temptation came, and rather yielding to the Lord, you yielded what? To the person on the other side. You yielded to Satan. Anger is one of the most common ways we act out our godness, and we reject the true and living God. And so sinful, and that's why I use this as an illustration, because all of us, we have done it. By the way, that's one of those recurring temptations. Sinful anger is functional atheism in the raw, because this is what we can do. And God knows we can perpetrate such evil. And so he allows things into our lives, a temptation into our life to remind us of who we are, who he is, and how much we need him. And that's the key. See, it's not about the temptation primarily because temptations will always come because there's this active desire within us to be God. And because of this active desire to be God, temptations are always going to come but the key idea is that the temptations need to remind us how much we need Him. And so if you understand why temptation happens, as I've outlined here, rather than fixating on the temptation, what you should do is fling yourself on the Lord. 
Sinful attractions make sense for fallen people, but you can redeem the temptation. And so think of the temptation like a ticket. The temptation comes. It's a ticket. You receive the ticket. Now you can redeem the ticket. But rather than giving it to God, I'm giving it to Satan and just going off and doing whatever the temptation says to do. Give the temptation to God. Use it for God's glory as he teaches you to turn to him each time it comes. It's going to continue to come because we're fallen people. And so each time it comes, now you create a new habit. Rather than going this way and giving it to Satan, you go this way and you give it to God. And so you can use the temptation for God's glory as it teaches you to turn to him each time it comes. If you discern your temptation as an opportunity to trust God, the temptation is not necessarily a bad thing, but a way, a portal to accomplish progress in your sanctification. Here's three ways that you can accomplish progress in your sanctification. Number one, The temptation reminds you that you are not God. This is a reminder. The temptation teaches you to fling yourself on God, and so the temptation is your teacher. Number three, the temptation permits you to display his power through your weakness, and so the temptation gives you permission. It reminds you you're not God. It teaches you to fling yourself on God. It permits you to display God's power through your earthly broken weakness. Now think about these three truths. How can you own them? What specific ways can you begin to change your mind about your temptation by making these three truths yours. Perhaps if you jotted down a few thoughts, you shared them with a friend, that that would be useful. The evil spirit world will seek to lure you by tempting you to sin, but you don't have to yield to it. Your reaction to temptation is not about your strength, what you can do. It's about God's strength. Fighting temptation is not supposed to be your job. Paul talked about this in Corinthians when he said that you have divine power, you have God's strength to win this battle, not fighting with human means. That's as 2 Corinthians 10:4. In fact, it, it says this: for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. The evil demons of the spiritual world would love nothing more than to create a stronghold to capture your mind. And that's why I understand why you're asking, will this wear me down? You sound a little bit worn down by the question that you're asking, and I do understand that. I think everybody listening to this has been in that spot before, and it will wear you down if you don't learn how to resist the devil, if you don't learn the strategies of Satan, if you don't understand your own desire to be, to be God and God is permitting the temptation into your life to weaken you, to teach you uh, to lean into him, which brings you back to not understanding the nature of the battle. If you fight him, it will weaken you, not just weaken you, but it will accelerate the desire to yield to sin because after a while you just give up. If it goes on enough, you may just walk away from the faith. 
how many people have said, I, I've, I've tried Christianity and it did not work for me. They did not understand the nature of the battle. They did not understand the strategies of, of Satan. Christians who do not access the divine weaponry the Lord provides for them will not practically live out their faith. For these believers, sin may overthrow their faith. It may shipwreck their lives. This reality is sobering. And so let me speak plainly. Your heart will always desire sinful things because you're an imperfect person, a fallen human being living in a fallen world. And so there you are in the middle between two people. And your heart will always desire sinful things. But recurring temptation does not necessarily mean you have not changed. What it means is this. It means you're in a war. It means the enemy is relentless. Satan is not going to quit. There'll never be a season in your earthly life where you won't encounter sinful fascinations, temptations for something. But here's the thing. Your fallenness does not have to immobilize you. What you don't want to do is become immobile. You see, that's a complicating temptation that plops down on your recurring one. Think about it. You have this recurring temptation that comes every so often into your life. And not understanding the nature of the battle, you become immobile. Now you have that, that's another temptation. And it plops down on top of the recurring one. This, this second temptation, it is the woe is me. There is the temptation again mantra. You play it over and over again in your head. And that's what Paul called a stronghold. It becomes a false argument that raises up in your head, in your mind, and it captures you, and it forms a stronghold. And so now you have a not just a double temptation, but a double sin. You have the original sin that you yield to. You have the immobilization sin. You've given up the fight. And ongoing temptation means you are alive. Ongoing temptation means that you are well. Ongoing temptation means that you are in the battle of your life. It means God is busy working with you. You're not dead yet, and the enemy sees you as a threat. It also means the Lord desires to keep you focused on him. There's the two entities again. And so on one side, you have the enemy who sees you as a threat. On the other side, you have the Lord who desires you to be focused on him. And so he permits temptation. Your struggles with weakness are part of the process of the Lord strengthening you by his grace. You see, typically Christians do not think about the purpose and timing of grace. Think about those two words, the purpose of grace and the timing of grace. What is the purpose of grace and when is the time that you receive grace? You only receive grace when you need it. At the time of temptation. At those moments when you are weak, that is when you receive grace. And so the time for grace is a tempting moment. And the purpose of grace is when you are at your weakest. And so rather than seeing your temptation and accompanying weakness as a downer, 
change your mind about the matter. The Lord is using that moment to make you strong through Christ. How did Paul talk about it in in Philippians 4.13? You can recite it, I'm sure. I can do all things through him, not through me, through him who strengthens me. It's similar to when the Lord saved you. I'm, I'm going to assume here, I know that everybody that listens to these podcasts, that they're not Christians, but I'm going to assume that you are a Christian. Think about your salvation experience. You, you were weak and helpless. David talked about it this way. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me. He heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog. He set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. This is Psalm 40, verses 1 and 2. The weeds of sin had trapped you. You were weak, you were helpless, you were in a miry bog, to use David's language. The weeds of sin had wrapped themselves around you. You felt the hopelessness of your inability for self-rescue. How kind of God to run us all into a corner to where we can't escape. We can't rescue ourselves. Our desire to be God doesn't work in that moment. That is the Lord working in our hearts. He has to bring us to a place of brokenness where self-reliance is not the option, and that's what happened at salvation. Rather than continually focusing on your depravity, your fallenness, your darkness, your eternal destination in hell, what did you do? You cried out to God, and what happened? That was the moment of your need. You needed grace. What happened? For by grace you are saved through faith is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. And so you responded to the Lord. It is God's kindness to you to allow negative things into your life if this is the big word here, maybe the biggest in the entire podcast, IF, if those temptations motivate you to recalibrate your thoughts. It is God's kindness to allow negative things into your life if those temptations motivate you to recalibrate your thoughts. When the tempting comes, there is a call. You have to decide. You have to decide between good and evil, left and right, the one on the right, the one on the left. The crossroad of temptation will prompt you, one, to lurch for grace, two, be overcome by evil. Paul's words are instructive when he thought about the strengthening effect of grace. He said it this way in 2 Corinthians 12. He said, Paul said, Paul, Paul said that God said to me, quote, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Now, that's the part that we don't like. But the only way that you're going to receive grace is in your weakness. And, so, and God has to bring us to weakness because of our desire to be God. Paul got it, and so this is what he said next. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, boasting in my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, with insults, with hardships, with persecutions, with calamities. You could probably add and not do harm to the text. I am content with temptations 
And this is how he finished. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And so here's my call to you. Don't bemoan the temptation. See it as your opportunity to cooperate with God by appropriating his grace in the moment of your weakness. And through your inability, you will experience the strength, the power of the gospel. Your cooperation with the Lord will defeat the enemy. It will fortify you and it will put God on display. And there's those three entities again. It will defeat the enemy, the one on the right. It will fortify you, the one in the middle. And it will put God on display, the one on the left. Only God can use your sin and your temptations sinlessly. And when you understand this, the frustrating temptation that the devil means for evil will be for your good. How ironic as it pictures the gospel. Christ dying on the cross was the wisdom and power of God, though it looked disappointedly weak and foolish at the time. And so your ongoing temptation does not mean you have not changed. Of course, if you keep yielding to the temptation, you may not have changed. And so the word in view here is not the temptation, but the yielding. Those are two words that I want you to think about. And the one that you want to, dis- to, to make 1B is temptation, and the one you want to make 1A is yielding. Even though you may fall occasionally, it's your practice of getting up again and again until the temptation loses its force in your life. And so I want you to think about yielding. Are you going to turn to the right or turn to the left? Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. The title of it is, Will I Ever Be Free from My Recurring Temptation to Sin? Now, I have a couple of In fact, I have a whole list of things that I would encourage you to do. One of the things, point number seven in my call to action here, I highly recommend that you get my book, Change Me, The Ultimate Life Change Handbook. We've had a lot of people read that book, and and some people have read it as many as five times. Uh, It is is something that will help you. And I have a link here that will take you to our store and you can order you can order it right from Amazon. But I would encourage you to get this book because it's one of the best for helping folks to break habits, to mature in Christ, to build relationally with with other people. And so that's one of the things that that's in this call to action. But I have a couple questions I'll ask you. I'm not going to go through everything because I have 11 things listed here because this topic is that important. And so I won't get through them all, but they're here for you. They're free. You can access this article, the podcast, the call to action, all these links. But here's a question. I'm not, I'm not call well, this is not a question, this is a statement. I'm not calling you to perfection, but I'm making a strong appeal for you to fight the right way. And so hopefully these questions that I'm going to ask you that will serve you as you cooperate with the Lord's good work in your life. And so here's the question. Are there pockets of sinful desires still active in your heart? Are there pockets of sinful desires that that are still activated in your heart? What are they? 
Is there one recurring, is there a recurring one that is your n- nemesis? You need to identify this. And then the second question is, are you regularly leaning into God when that temptation comes? Which you do by appropriating His grace so you don't succumb. Do you lean to the right? Do you lean to the left? It's about yielding. Do you, do you yield to the devil or do you yield to the Lord? Now, I'm going to appeal to you to talk to this, talk about, talk through this question with someone. One of the most significant vulnerabilities in spiritual warfare is an unwillingness to talk to others about our weaknesses, about our temptations, about our, our fears. Few Christians do well in accessing the body of Christ. And so what Christian knows how, why, where, when you sin? I'm not saying put it on Facebook, tweet it out, blab it through the Internet, put it in a blog. I'm not saying that. But what one person, who knows your weaknesses? How aggressively are you pursuing others to pursue you? That's a critical question. You can't be passive in this area of accountability. In fact, you will have to, to stay on your accountability partner to hold you accountable because they just won't do it. And if you ask once or ask twice, or if they you ask once and they say, I'll do it, and then you don't hear from them again, you need to pursue them. There's more questions here that will serve you, and we are here to do that as well. And so please jump on our free forums, and if we can help you with anything, just let us know. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.